Berachim Abim, and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday program with special guest tonight. We have with us Rabbi Mordechai Jermin Shlita. Rabbi Shalom Aleichem, how you doing? Baruch Hashem, great ah, to be here. Thank I'm you very much. An honor to be ah, with you. Honor all ours. The rabbi has been doing so much for our community for all these years. And uh, it goes back to your father's. That's our blessed memory. And that's uh, tonight's Torah Talk, which is uh, the life and legacy of Rabbi Avner Jermin of blessed memory. And uh, before we uh, discuss your father, if you could give our audience a little bit of background about yourself, Rabbi, and the great work you're involved with, and Ber Hagola and the whole nine yards. Okay. I myself, I went to high school. I went to Chaim Berlin, which is where my father actually is an alumnus of Chaim Berlin. Oh, wow. And then when I graduated from Chaim Berlin, I went to Beis Medrash in Passaic by my Rebbe, Harav Meir Stern Shlita. May he live and be well. And I basically stayed there for maybe 15, 20 years. I had a short little stint in Eretz Yisrael where I learned in Brisk. But then I came back and in Kolo, I was in Passaic. Ultimately, from there, when Reb Meir Stern opened the Masifta in Passaic, so I became a Magad Shir there in the Masifta. And I was there for almost 19 years until my father passed away. And I went on into his shul and into the Yeshiva Berhagol. Amazing, unbelievable. So, uh, the life and legacy of your father, uh, I had this good to get to know him a little bit, a little bit before my uh, being uh, more active in the community. Um, can you please tell us a little bit more about uh, Rabbi Avner Jermin? That's how. Sure. My father grew up in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, he grew up in a home where he would wake up in the middle of the night to see his father sitting and learning oh wow so yeah, from they, they were from uh-huh. but but not just but but my grandfather was somebody who sat and learned a rav he was he wasn't a rav he was a sheikhet but he was a butcher. big talmud chacham a butcher yes a big talmud chacham and he grew up in a in a in, a, in an area of, of of extreme poverty my father he used to tell us that he was not allowed to wear his shoes in the summer because you saved your shoes for the winter mm, wow poverty he, he himself, although my father was from from birth and very religious from birth, but there was no yeshiva in Minnesota. So he himself went to public school. Really? As a young boy. Yes, he went to public school. Rabbi Germain. Rabbi Germain. Kids from public school. Interesting. Yes. He himself went to public school. But back to the poverty, my grandmother, his mother had a grocery store. And she supported the family with a grocery store. And when he left the school in the morning, there were days there was no breakfast. She would come to the public school with the leftover milk that she didn't sell in the yeshiva in the in the grocery, and she'd bring him a cup of milk. And that's wow. so he grew up. He grew up quite quite poor, quite poor. There wasn't a yeshiva option with her in Houston, No, there was no yeshiva option. There was a there was a, a, an after public school, you know, a day a, a, a after public school like learning, Chazak. like Chazak, like Chazak. <laughs> right? But this was yeah back in Minnesota. And that's what he went to till he was 12 years old. At 12, he had to go. His parents need, wanted him to go to yeshiva. They sent him to New York at 12 years old. At 12 year old at boy, 12 all by himself. Boy, all no. by himself. Put him on the train. Off to New York. He learned in Torvadas for two years. And then he went to Chaim Berlin. And he stayed there until he went to Kolo. Until ultimately he opened his shul in East New York. East and New York. East New York. That's uh-huh. Yeah. Not, not uh, Starrett City. No, no. Okay, there was no Starrett City then. Starrett uh-huh. City was a farm. Back then, yes. interesting. Yes, wow. Yes, Starrett City was a farm. So he opened he opened his shul in East New York, and his shul was extremely extremely successful. At, at one point, the shul, which was known as Bnei Israel, he had five hundred children in his Talmud Torah, like what wow. Chazak does. So he had a Talmud Torah for for children went to public school in the morning. Five hundred children. They had baseball leagues. 
And from that Talmud Torah, many, many boys went on to regular yeshiva. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. He was doing Kirov before anybody was doing it. Before Chabad did it, before anybody did it. <laughs> Unbelievable. He, he really was, I, I think, he was the first in the United States to do Kirov. So that, that made it an automatic, you know, to run to, to, to uh, with her understand a yeshiva, to run, to run a kirib yeshiva. That's how to, it all you happened. You mean Baragola yeah. to run. So because of his experience, yes, when Baragola opened up, uh, so naturally... All the Gedolei, uh, the Gedolei rabbis, with her understand, opened the yeshiva. Yes, yes, the Gedolei Yisrael were involved, like Rabbi Belsky and the, uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. The Gedolei Yisrael were involved in opening up Berhagola. And then my father, naturally, they invited my father in. In the beginning, he was just on the Barachinach, and then ultimately he became, after that, he became the dean. Unbelievable. Wow. And uh, if you would have to say one quality that you remember of your father, I'm sure there were many, but one that sticks out, what would it be, Rabbi Jimmy? So, yeah, there are many. But if I had to pick one, I'll tell you what I'll pick. And, and what's unique and interesting to me about this quality is that his yard site every year, which is coming up this Friday, his yard site, but we know the yard site starts the Shabbat before, the Shabbos before, which is Parshas Yisro, Parshat Yitro. And there was a certain vort, there was a Dvar Torah that he would say almost at every occasion. And he would say, this is the flag of the family. At every occasion, he would say this. And it's incredible that it's in, the, in this Parsha, this is Parsha Sesha, which is his Yartzeh. And he always told it to us. And he said like this, it starts really with the Gera Rebbe, who was talking to his grandson. And he asked his grandson, tell me, what did you learn today in the yeshiva? And his grandson said, we learned the Pasuk in Parshat Yitro, which talks about the Jewish people coming to Har Sinai to get the Torah. And it says in the Pasuk, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Neged Har, the Jewish nation encamped opposite the mountain. And he translated the Pasuk, they stood facing the mountain, ready to receive the Torah. And this is what the Ger Rebbe's grandson, as a young boy, told his grandfather. So his grandfather said, your Rebbe in the yeshiva that taught it to you left something out. Yes, the Jewish people were sitting, facing the mountain, ready to accept the Torah. But there's another part to that. Their backs, where were their backs? Their backs were to the world. In order to really accept the Torah, there's another half to it. You have to be prepared to say no to the nonsense of the world. Wow, beautiful, I love it. Two parts to Kabbalat HaTorah. Two parts to accepting the Torah. You're eagerly looking at the Torah. You want it. But you're also prepared to give up what the world has to offer. What and a beautiful Chidush insight. Love it. Very powerful. And so I propose to uh, what's going on to the world right now. So many of our youth are looking the wrong way. Yeah. And then we... Yeah. And that's exactly what your father's legacy was. Yeah. He brought people towards Kabbalat HaTorah. Towards, so that would be one quality that you would say uh, your father's at Saul. He, he, he really lived this, not being impressed by what the world has to offer. No. And of course, we need the world. And we need what the world has, but always to help us in our relationship to Torah. But not as an end in and of itself. And he fought for it. And when he was growing up, when he first started as a rabbi, it, the, you know, it, the landscape didn't look like it looks today with so many religious Jews. And at that time, really, conservatism, reformism was really on the up. 
Right. And orthodoxy was really something of the past. And this is what he would stand up and say. We don't have to worry about what the world says. We don't have to worry about what's popular. We have to do what we believe. He always talked about this. And he always talked about dancing and marching to the tune of a different drum. <laughs> over and over. To march to the tune of a different drum. We have our own drum. We don't listen to them, their music. We don't have to dance their dance. Walk your walk. Be faithful to who you are and to what you believe. He preached it, but he lived it. He breathed it. And in the house, we grew up like this. It was, it was so, so rich. Your father was known as a leader in the community, the head of Baragola, had the shul. But how was it at home? We knew that he loved us more than anything. I knew I meant everything to him. I knew I meant absolutely everything to him. No doubt about it. It's not like I thought that his students were more precious than me. Absolutely not. Each and every one of us. And he demanded, he did demand greatness from all of us. I, I'm sure I failed him, but he demanded, no, no. he demanded greatness. He wanted my sisters to only marry great Talmidei Chachamim and me and my brothers of Chon Lavrachot pushed us and pushed us and wanted us the best. He wanted us to grow in learning and always encouraged us and gave us every ounce of support in every way that we should reach our potential in Torah. And how are the siblings today? Where I'm saying they're... Hashem, you know, so my brother passed away recently, but he was... He had a tremendous following, many, many students in Yerushalayim and yeshiva called Kesher, also bringing, bringing people, closer. people close to Hashem. And my sisters all married Talmidei Chachamim, they're just about all of them themselves in education, and Amazing. all their husbands are, are, are Baruch Hashem, Talmidei Chachamim, and educators. the path of, yes. of uh, your father, uh, Zatzal. That's, that's very inspiring. So the rabbi, along with your father of blessed memory, you're involved with Chinuch. If you could get, maybe give us a little bit of an insight, maybe some sort of a Chidush, some sort of a something, you know, today, Chinuch parenting, it's not uh, as simple <coughs> as it used to be. At least that's what they say. Uh, if you could give us some uh, inspiration on the topic for a moment. Yeah, I'll share with you something I actually said at orientation in Baragola. We, you know, beginning of the school year, we bring all the parents in and we want them to meet the teachers at the start of the year, not at parent-teachers conference later. Very but smart. right at the very beginning, meet us, meet the teachers, you know, and, and the teachers had an opportunity to present to the parents what they're going to be doing with their child this year. But the, the program opened up where I addressed the entire parent body. So I shared with them at that time two thoughts, and I think they're both extremely valuable in Chanach. One is, as a parent, you need to understand what your child means to you. Many times we don't realize how important our child is to us. You know, if someone would say to a parent, if I would give you $5 million, would you be willing to give away your child? There isn't a normal, sane parent that would say yes. But yet, even though our child is so priceless to us, during our day-to-day -day life, do we really live like that? How much time do we spend with our children? And how much time do we spend with the other stuff? So we have to remind ourselves as parents, what is the most valuable thing to you? When you're going to be sitting at your 80th birthday, what do you want your, parent, your children to get up and say? You want them to say he was... 
a multimillionaire, drove beautiful cars, lived a luxurious life. What do you want your son to say? He cared about me. He gave time to me. What do you value? Now, most of us, almost all of us, of course, will say our children are our number one value. But yet we forget it. We forget it. We forget. We forget it. That was one thought. And the other thought was really sort of a little bit of a different message. And that is we don't realize and we underestimate how much we mean to our children. We think many times that our child doesn't care what we say. And if I'm gonna, if he's going to ask me and I'm going to say no, he's going to ignore me. I don't mean that much to him. And that's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. Even if your child argues with you, you have to understand your no is tremendous to your child. You have to have the courage and the strength to say no. You need to be able to say no. One of uh, my mentors is a Jew by the name of Rabbi Hurth, he passed away a little while ago. He always used to tell over a story about his mother. So when he was growing up, him and his, uh, actually when his parents were growing up, a story about his grandmother, excuse me. And when his parents were growing up, so it was rough times in the United States then. Making a parnasa, earning a living, was very difficult. Mm, not, not, easy. not working on Shabbat was impossible. They had to constantly get new jobs or something. Constantly yeah. get a new job. The, the, you, you couldn't find work if you weren't willing to work on, on Shabbat. On Shabbat. So this man, my Rabbi Hirth, his grandmother was struggling with this. She was a, she was a religious Jew. And her children were young American boys growing up, and their grandmother was old-fashioned. And he, and it came a time where you know they really couldn't find work, and they were really upset that their you know their mother wasn't letting them work on Shabbos. And they finally said, "Mom, we got an amazing job. We got a job where we can go to work on Shabbos, but we're not going to really have to drive a car. It's walking distance." We're just going to be in the back, you know, moving boxes around. And, and it's really not, it's really not, you know, desecrating Mamash the Shabbat. And she said to them, my dear son, candle lighting this week is 418. You'll come home by 418. If you don't, don't come home. Well, she said, no. She said no, they came home. Children really care when their mother or father puts their foot down. And not only do they care, they want to hear it even sometimes. They don't want always a yes. They want no. They want to hear it. They need to hear it. But you as a parent have to know you have that power. You have the power to say no. And to listen. They're sitting at the dinner table and they're on their cell phone. You could say no. Put it away. You have the power to say no, and you have to say no. Powerful, 100%. And uh, sometimes uh, they don't feel so happy about hearing the no, but after a certain amount of time, they'll get used to it. You know, it is what it is. Family time, phones away, eating together, enjoying 100%. Wow, very powerful message, Rabbi Jimmy and Shadda. Um, and 
if, 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 if I know we didn't discuss this or anything, but uh, I have a tremendous amount of akarat of appreciation to the yeshiva, yeshiva Baragoa. Now, I didn't go there, uh, but I know one thing, that thousands of families from our communities have been going there and have been there. And uh, I, I'll never forget how when Chazak started a whole yeshiva placement division, getting kids that come to the after-school programs into yeshiva, a yeshiva that really welcomed the open arms you know, was Yeshiva Baragola Baruch Hashem, hundreds of kids. And Chaz uh, Hashem, it's been growing. I've seen it. I was invited to the dinner recently, and I saw the amount of parents. It's just such nachat, such pleasure. Um, I without understand, I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, there's some sort of a campaign. And uh, if the rabbi could just touch upon that. I, again, this is not <laughs> planned, but uh, rabbi. Yeah, we, we do something called a crowdfunding campaign, which is... Um, it's, it's getting a lot of people involved. And our goal is to, to, to get our parents and our staff and everybody, alumni. To, alumni, to reach out to people that they know. Really to get everybody involved. Crowdfunding. And Baruch Hashem, last year we had over 2,000 donors. That's amazing. That's so it's, it's really to, to let everybody know what Berhagola does. And to, Which and is, in essence, continuing the legacy of uh, your father's at all. Uh, the name on the building, what is it again? Or Avner? Near Avner. And uh, to continue the legacy of your Holy Father, which we heard a little bit about. And uh, Rabbi, we have a minhag, we have a custom in Torah talk, which is a final message. Uh, one final message. We heard beautiful gems. A final message. Okay. I'd like to share with you a story. Oh, we love stories. A, a, a story <laughs> that I just saw, which I think which I think it, it really resonated with me, and I think, I hope it'll resonate, resonate with, with the community. There was a, a great man by the name of Rav Noah Weinberg. I'm sure you've all heard of him. Yeah. Anyhow, Rav Noah Weinberg was a man who reached thousands of people, unaffiliated Jews, and he had an incredible, incredible impact on so many, so many Jewish people. Anyhow, a young man who's unaffiliated comes into his office one day and he says, Rabbi, I have a problem. I have a question. You know, you're 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 a rabbi. What are you going to say to this story? My sister and her friend were in the United States. They were on a trip in the south part of the United States. They got into a car accident, and my sister came out okay, but her friend was burnt, terribly burnt, terribly burnt, and um, they end up in some house hospital, you know, in the south, and a minister comes into the room and he sees her in so much pain from her burns. And he says to her, just say you believe in Jesus and, and I'm telling you, you'll be fine. The girl says, I'm a Jewish girl, like, you know, nah. He comes back again and again. And finally, one day she was in so much pain and it was a moment of weakness. And she said, I believe, I believe. Jewish girl said, I believe in Jesus. And that night she thinks she felt better. And this is what the minister said, that if you say you believe in Jesus, you know, feel better. you'll feel better. And, you know, she thinks, she thinks she felt better that night, you know. So this young man turns to the rabbi and says, you know, my sister called me and said, explain this story to me. You know, how could it be? She said she believes in Jesus and she thinks she feels better. <clears throat> so, rabbi, explain. So Rabbi Weinberg said, let me explain it to you with a story, with a mashal. There's a gathering in the United Nations, and in the United Nations you have there in this room, you have great thinkers, great minds from all across the globe, 
And as they're sitting there in strides, a strong, powerful man, six foot six, handsome, muscular, strong, a linebacker, looks amazing, comes in and he stands in front of everybody and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to lift this room. And all of a sudden, the room is being lifted. And then he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take this room into the ocean. And all of a sudden, they're in the ocean. And they're looking outside the window and there's fish. And then he says, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to the moon. A little while later, they're on the moon. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going back to the UN now. Boom. They land. And then he says, Ladies and gentlemen, I am God. Bow to me. All the philosophers, they all just get down on the floor immediately, prostrate themselves, they bow. One man doesn't bow. Some old janitor, a Jewish janitor, Jewish guy, only spoke Yiddish, you know, couldn't get a job, you know, doing something else. He doesn't bow and he's like, what, what? They turn to him and they say, come on, didn't you see this guy? You see what he did? What's going on? Why don't you bow? He says, listen here, listen here. I have no idea how on earth this guy brought us to the moon, how he brought us into the ocean. I have no idea. But I know one thing. He's not God. He's not God. If this guy were to get up and say, I brought you to the moon, I brought you to the ocean, I'm a frog. Would you say he's a frog? No, he's not a frog. <laughs> so do I have a question? How did he get us to the moon? Yes. But those questions don't raise any doubts. We're permitted, Rabbi Weinberg said, to have questions. It's a question. Why does she feel better? I don't know. But it doesn't raise any doubt. Jesus is not God. Life, there's questions. There's questions. We all have questions. You know, six million Jews. Question. Other questions. Struggling. Suffering. We're allowed to have questions. We, we encourage questions. We encourage questions. But the questions don't have to raise doubts. Whatever we go through, remain firm. Remain strong. We know the truth. <laughs> Amazing, Rabbi Mordechai Jermaine Shlita. What a powerful final message. What a powerful message. What a powerful Torah talk. Amazing, amazing. As usual, Shakach Hazakaruch to everything that you do. Continue your Holy Father's legacy. Continue the holy work of Baragola and everything else, the, all the other stuff, the shul, the, the great work that you do behind the scenes. And Mikhail uh, Chayev from strength to strength. Amen. But Rabbi Aniv, this thank you goes to you. You, Chazak. <laughs> Amazing the work you and your brother and the entire Chazak organization. Really, really, you're a source of encouragement to me, and I, I, and and you 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 lead the way. You lead the way. Chazak, we have to do more. The Gula is not here yet. We should all be together with the Gula Shema with the final redemption. We should see Tchiat Metim. Have Rabbi Avner Jermin back with us. Amen. Everyone, family, friends, neighbors, we should see the Gula Shema. We want to thank. All of our listeners, every single Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Chazak Torah Talks with special guests. Uh, shout out to all the platforms, the podcast, the Torah Anytime, everyone that uh, has our amazing uh, Torah Talk interviews on the, their websites and uh, platforms. 
We want to thank Daily Giving. Uh, the RDA goes a very, very far away. We want to thank the entire team of Yad Chazak. Baruch Hashem, so much great things happening over here. So many amazing classes. Uh, Natan, Rabi, uh, Mayor, uh, the, the whole the whole team over here. Thank you very much. And until uh, next time, Shukach.